What's up, everyone? Welcome to the program. It is not your average Boston sports podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And you can follow our social pages on Twitter and on Facebook for the latest updates. Uh, Great to be back with you folks this week. Uh, Plenty of things to get to. Um, You know, definitely was a bit of a quiet Sunday yesterday with the uh, Patriots enjoying their bye week, Um, but we'll definitely talk a little bit about the NFL yesterday because there was some crazy stuff that happened. So, um, you know, Patriots today, but, you know, Bruins and Celtics continue to just uh, light it up. So um, we're going to be talking plenty of Bruins um, and Celtics today. There is a little bit of Red Sox stuff that I want to get to as well as the offseason is you know, pretty much in full swing. So I think we're going to get going, but first would like to uh, say thanks to uh, Dom Cucinata coming on the pod last week uh, for Guest Friday, great conversation that we had uh, talking about, you know, where the Patriots are at the uh, midway point of the season. And, you know, ironically came the same week they were on a bye. So kind of worked out perfectly there. So um, if you want to listen to that conversation, you still can on uh, Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. As you may have noticed on our uh, social pages uh, yesterday, uh, got a great guest Friday for you guys later this week. John Veneziano is coming back. We're talking World Cup because, believe it or not, the first game of the World Cup is next Sunday. So uh, really excited to uh, talk to John this week and get that out to you guys, you know, days before the tournament starts. Um, So we're going to get right into it, get right into the Bruins uh, with uh, another successful weekend for this team. Uh, they sit 14-2 and two after the first 16 games, which is uh, pretty remarkable. I think when you consider, you know, everything from the start of the season, you know, kind of the thought, okay, you're going into the season without three of your most important players, you know, you're going to have to be able to tread water for a little bit. And I think, you know, obviously amazing that all three guys could return as quickly as they have. Um, but I think this team has not only held it together, they have excelled, you know, and they've had no problem integrating the guys back into the lineup. Um, and they have just been, you know, dominating teams and beating teams when they don't even play their best. You know, that was kind of the, that was kind of the thought after Saturday's game in Buffalo where the Bruins did not really have their A game, you know, didn't really even have their B game, which I think was something that Patrice Bergeron even said, and the Bruins still found a way to win that game. So they're winning games every which way, you know, which is, I think, great that they're winning games in different ways. You know, it's not every single game they're scoring four or five goals. You know, there are games where they've had to batten down the hatches defensively and get great goaltending, which they've got. And so, you know, solid win against Buffalo, but a really good win last night against Vancouver. Um, A lot of great things came out of that game last night. You know, obviously, first and foremost, uh, Tomas Nosek getting his first goal uh, this season. First goal that he scored uh, since January of this year. Last scored in January last season. Um, So it was a span of like 65 games. So, you know, he gets the empty net goal. You know, great to see him just (laughs) be, you know, Finally happy to score a goal. You know, you may have noticed his reaction after he scored. 
just kind of looks skyward like oh my god finally so you know good for him to get off the schneid but you know he's a guy where i think he has played well this season i think he's kind of been a kind of a, a quiet consistency type player you know he's been really good in the face-off dot he always has been you know he's been a solid penalty killer you know he's getting involved in the scoreboard maybe not goals but is getting involved you know got involved on um Zaboral's go-ahead goal on Saturday which was Zaboral's first career goal so I think you know Nosek is doing some of the little things but if he can start you know putting the puck in the net you know it's like there's another guy that's playing really really well you know it's kind of wild that you look up and down this lineup everyone is playing well there honestly is not a single player that you can look at and be like they're not doing well it's like everyone is playing well so you know, great to see him score. You know, I think one of the other things that was great last night, you know, Nosek completely just jumping into it after Pasternak got hit by uh, Kyle Burrows. You know, nothing wrong with the hit, nothing dirty, but Nosek goes right in there and, you know, lets him know that you can't be taking runs at our best player. So, you know, that was great to see. Great to see that he was engaged. And it seems like a lot of the guys are engaged um, you know, obviously not starting fights for no reason, but I think guys like Nosek, guys like Felino, guys like AJ Greer who got into a, you know, a bit of a bloody fight last night, uh, that those guys in particular are not going to be taking any BS, you know, that they're going to be willing to drop the gloves, willing to do things to defend their teammates. So, you know, that was great to see, you know, I think an all around really solid game for no sick yesterday and also I think a solid game on Saturday as well so you know the Bruins continue to find ways to win which I think is great you know obviously as I said last week they're not going to continue to play like this the entire season you know they're not going to win 65 games you know we, we think um, but I think it's at least great to know that okay this team has gotten pretty much close to full health and it's like, okay, this is the team they're going to be. They're going to be very good. You know, I think that people were kind of surprised that they're this good. But it's like, you look at this lineup and you look at the things that some of these guys can do and the way that they're all playing. It's like, you know, this team is really, really good. You know, this is not a team that is just out of nowhere playing amazing hockey. You know, it's not, this isn't like the New Jersey Devils where you're like, okay, they're chances are they're probably going to be good out of the gate or no, I should say it differently. You know, they're good out of the gate, but chances are they're probably not going to be a playoff team. You know, at least I don't think so. It's not like the Bruins were, you know, a young team with a lot of questions. It's like you came in with a team with David Krejci back with, you know, Pavel Zaka. You know, you had a lot of guys that kind of came in, knew what they were supposed to do. And I know that you have a coaching change, but you know, this is not a team where it's just like, they're just going to all of a sudden be bad. It's like, no, they're a very good hockey team. You know, even if they had to play, you know, what, the first eight or so games uh, without Brad Marchand, whatever it was. But, you know, this shouldn't really come as a surprise that they're playing well. I mean, obviously, we're shocked that they're 14-2. and two. I don't think anyone saw that coming, but I don't think... I think people, for some reason, underestimated, you know, how good this team was. Because it's like, no, they have good players. They're a deep team. And it's like, 
now that they have Krejci, now that they have a guy like Zaka, it's like they're even deeper. So it's just great to see that they're playing such great hockey and, you know, sure, whatever, you can make headlines by saying they're peaking too early or, you know, whatever you want to say, but it's like it's okay to feel good about this, you know? Um, one of the things that I thought that I had thought of kind of during this weekend watching the, the games, um, one of the things the Bruins have been trying on the on the power play recently is playing um, with five forwards. Now, you know, obviously you look at the talent that the Bruins can put together with, you know, Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand, David Krejci. You know, you look at all those guys that they can put on that first unit, and I think Jake DeBrusque has been on that first unit as well. Taylor Hall we've seen there, I think, at different points this season. Um, I will say that, you know, the idea of having five forwards makes it very, very dangerous to defend against. Um, but it also can be a detriment, as you saw Saturday. The Bruins let, it, let up a shorthanded goal. You know, one of those plays where, you know, Tage Thompson uh, makes the play or whatever and just takes it to the net and right by David Krejci, who it's like, you know, he's not a defenseman. It's not, you know, something that he's used to doing, you know, defending in front of the goal. So, you know, I think that it's one of those things where, yes, it can when it works, it's unbelievable. But it's also like you run a lot, you run a lot of risk by giving up potential short-handed goals like that. You know, because you don't have a guy on the ice that's a defenseman that's, you know, used to having to defend the goal. And it's like, yes, the idea when you're on the power plays, you're not giving up chances in the other direction. Um, but it's like when that happens, which undoubtedly it will, you know, I think that me personally, I'd like to have a defenseman there. You know, whether it's McAvoy, whether it's Lindholm, you know, I think the power play is operating at 25%, which is pretty good. So it's like the complaints that I have for that are so small. Um, but that is, I think, something to watch, that if they start giving up some more shorthanded goals, they may move away from that. You know, I wouldn't see really an issue with, you know, switching McAvoy and David Krejci, you know, putting Krejci on that second unit, playing him with Taylor Hall, um, Charlie Coyle, and Saka, I want to say. Um, but, you know, just kind of something to think about. Uh, one of the other things that I, you know, had thought about this weekend that I probably mentioned last week is, you know, the amount of games that Linus Olmark is playing, which it's fantastic that he is playing as well as he is. Um, but, you know, kind of one of the, the issues here is he's playing a lot of games. And, you know, this is a guy that last season, I think only played about, I don't know if it was 40 games exactly, because, you know, they pretty much... Um, split the net between him and Swayman um, last season, but he has played so far this season, has played in 13 of the 16 games. Um, you know, I think that there was one game where he came in in relief. They think there was another game where Swayman may have come in in relief. Um, but I think, you know, having him play, so yeah, okay, Omar played 41 games, Swayman played 41, he had two grass that played parts of four games. So yes, Olmark played 41 games last year and, you know, to this point this season has played 13 games. And so, you know, look, they're riding him and it makes sense because Swayman's out and, you know, you want to ride your hot goalie, which, you know, you look at his numbers and they've been unbelievable. You know, they are like Vesna type numbers 
196 goals against average, 936 save percentage, which, you know, if he's having those numbers the entire year, you know, he maybe wins a Vesna Trophy, but I don't think he's going to be playing at this pace all season. But I think one of the concerns I have is maybe they're pushing him a little too much and they're having him play too many games where you don't want him to be out of gas by February and, you know, but... And I think the Bruins are playing good defense in front of him, and it's just... And I know that Swayman's hurt, but I think I would like to see the Bruins maybe give Keith Kincaid a couple of games. Um, and I know I understand that he's not really a necessarily a great backup, but he's a guy that I think, if you saw his game Saturday, he played really, really well. So I think the Bruins could be in a position where they could give him some games coming up. You know, I don't really know how long Swayman is going to be out. Apparently he's week to week still, but you know, that's just kind of a concern that I have that Olmark might be playing too many games. You know, you look at 13 games that he has played out of um, this 16. Um, you know, it's not really a huge concern because he's playing great. You know, I think it would be different if he, maybe he was struggling and not playing as well. And the Bruins kind of would be in a, a conundrum here, but it's like, yeah, you ride the hot hand. And that's why I really, I think even when Swayman was healthy, I didn't have an issue with riding the hot hand, but it's like, you may want to be a little bit more careful and not have Omar playing every single game. I mean, it's great the Bruins don't play till Thursday this week. Um, so they'll have some time to rest, but that's just one of those things that I think I'm thinking about. Um, one of the great things this past week, Charlie McAvoy came back into the lineup, made his debut against the Panther, the uh, Flames, naturally scored in that game, scored the go-ahead goal. So uh, great to have Charlie back in the fold. I think it really um, puts this team over the top in a sense, where it's like you look at what they were doing before he came in, you know, they continue to play at this elite level. You know, you saw Hampus Lindholm really take hold of that, you know, number one defenseman spot. He's been incredible. I think he's tied for third in the NHL in points by defenseman. So that tells you that, yeah, okay, the Bruins pretty much have two number one defensemen. Um, and I think me personally, it's great to see that the coaching staff is putting Lindholm and McAvoy in different pairs so they can try to, you know, elevate the other guys and put other guys in positions to succeed. Grizzlick and McAvoy, you know that they've played together forever. So that's not really a concern that you have. And you look at how well Connor Clifton's playing. I mean, I think outside of Lindholm, for the majority of the start of the year, outside of Lindholm, he's probably been their best defenseman. You know, and the ability that he can play top four minutes and... You know, the Bruins going to have the ability, once the springtime comes, the playoffs come, that you can have the ability to play Clifton on the third pair, and he's a guy that's capable of playing 20 minutes a game. You know, it just, having McAvoy Mac and McAvoy back makes their defense so much deeper, um, and it gives you the opportunity to be able to put Brandon Carlo on a third pair, which I think plays a little bit more to his strengths. You know, it's not that he's not good enough to be a top four defenseman. We've seen him play in that role for, I think, majority of the season. But I think it's a little less pressure having to play on that pair. You know, playing with someone, whether it's 
Zavoral or Mike Riley or whoever it is, Anton Strawman. Um, I think having Carlo playing on that pair right now is probably the best possible thing for him. Um, you know, ideally, it's probably the best spot for him. Um, but it's just McAvoy coming back, making things, you know, <laughs> they just have so many options. And the great thing is, too, the Bruins can choose to, you know, put McAvoy and Lindholm together in the third period when they're, you know, trying to protect a lead or say the Bruins want to, you know, chase a lead. You know, they're down a goal or two. You can put the two of them together. And that's something we've seen, you know, switching gears to the forwards. But that's something we've seen with David Pasternak, you know, rejoining Bergeron and Marchand, um, as we saw last night. And then he played a little bit um, in Buffalo as well. You know, the Bruins are, again, so deep at the forward position that they can afford to swap Jake DeBrusque and David Pasternak and neither of those lines, you know, miss a beat at all. You know, I know that one of the problems years ago was, okay, you're only playing your top three, Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak. And those are really the only three guys that are consistent point scorers, you know, but it's like you look at everyone else who's, you know, putting up points consistently, you can have the option to be able to move guys around um, and still have the confidence that guys like, you know, Coyle and Zaka and Taylor Hall can still put up points. So you don't feel like you have to rely on, you know, your top three guys every game. So it's just great. You have a McAvoy back, it makes things you know, so much easier for this defense. Um, and it gives them so many options where it's like you feel that, okay, this is a defense group that, you know, and I don't want to, you know, sound like I'm jumping ahead, but this is a defense group that would be absolutely good enough to win a Stanley Cup. This would be good enough to stand up in the playoffs against, you know, the heavy grinding nature of playoff hockey you know, that you can have a third pair of Tarek Forbert and Connor Clifton and feel absolutely fine about all three of your D pairs. So just a really exciting time to be a Bruins fan. Um, one of the other great things I think about this lineup depth is the Bruins, you know, have all these guys that are playing well and doing exactly what they're supposed to do and, you know, not feeling like they have to search in Providence for, oh, okay, someone up here is not playing well enough, let's get someone from Providence. You've not really seen anyone be called up from Providence. You know, it's like uh, Lauko has been up and down a few times. He's been great in both spots, um, in Providence and in Boston, but the lineup is just so deep that, you know, you're not looking to bring up a, a Lysel or a Mark McLaughlin or a Johnny Beach or, you know, you can feel confident in the guys that you have. And undoubtedly, you know, injuries will happen at some point and those guys will need to be called up. But it's just great that you don't need to drop someone down because they're not playing well. Um, you know, A.J. Greer has come in and out of the lineup and I think he's been really good. Um, you know, Craig Smith, I think, unfortunately, the production is not quite there, but he still plays hard. Um, he's never a guy that you have to be concerned about in terms of his effort um, and his tenacity. So it's just great to see that they can flop, they can, you know, flip those guys in and out of the lineup. Trent Frederick also as well, um, that they can flip those guys in and out and they can have the same impact. Um, whether they, you know, miss a couple games or whatever, 
you know, you saw AJ Greer get right into it yesterday. Four hits, had a fight as well. So, you know, there are guys that are making their presence felt when they're getting back on the ice after, you know, sitting for some games. So, um, kind of looking ahead, you know, I mentioned that the Bruins uh, play Thursday this week. So they are a little, you know, have a little bit of time off this week as they don't play until Thursday night. Bruins will welcome the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, to the garden, so, you know, you can uh, get your licks in on Tony D'Angelo when uh, he plays for the Flyers, um, and the Bruins will welcome Chicago to the garden Saturday night, so um, kind of a, a slow week for the Bruins, only two games Thursday and Saturday, so some good time for guys to be able to have time off, but, you know, the uh, there is a big tough stretch of their schedule coming up, which I'm very excited to see how they manage, you know, we'll probably talk more about that next week. But, you know, you look at this, here is a nine-game run of these teams that will be very interesting. It'll be, I think, telling about where the Bruins really, truly are. Um, so here's this nine-game stretch at Tampa Bay, at Florida, home against Carolina, home against Tampa Bay, home against Colorado, home against Vegas, and on the road against Colorado, Arizona, and Vegas again. So you are playing Tampa Bay twice, Colorado twice, and Vegas twice. So a lot of really interesting teams. And then the Bruins, you know, also are playing Florida and Carolina, two teams that are probably going to be playoff teams. And then you're playing against an Arizona team that I think honestly is surprising people at actually how decently well they've played this season. So that nine-game stretch is going to be very interesting. We'll obviously talk more about that next week um, as the Bruins will play Tampa Bay and Florida and then have that uh, Black Friday matinee, matinee against Carolina. So, yeah, it'll be uh, more interesting for the Bruins um, in the coming weeks. So I think we're going to move on, talk a little bit about the Patriots, uh, where they are at the bye, you know, take a look at the Jets game, which... You know, now looking at the results from yesterday's game, or yesterday's games, I should say, and we'll probably talk about that later, the Patriots are, are suddenly in a pretty enviable position. They're in a playoff spot right now. Uh, with the Chargers' loss last night to the 49ers, um, Patriots are officially in the seventh spot in the playoffs, and then the division just got a lot more interesting with Buffalo losing yesterday and the Patriots somehow being a game behind the Bills. So now suddenly this game against the Jets, who also have had their bye this week. Sunday's game becomes probably the biggest game of the season um, to this point. So, you know, you really hope that the bye week has done the Patriots some wonders. You know, hopefully they can get things moving from the off from an offensive standpoint. You know, be a little bit more confident in what they're doing. Um, and, you know, hopefully... The defense can flummox Zach Wilson again. You know, it's great that it's a home game. Patriots, you know, really have a huge opportunity um, to make things really interesting in the division. Um, so I think, I feel like I've said this for a lot of games this season. I think the biggest key is you take care of the football. You know, no forced throws, no, you know, turnovers, no big, you know, game-changing plays that you allow from the other team. You know, I think... The biggest thing is trying to get back to kind of the simpler offense than maybe you ran last season and not trying to 
do too much throwing it down the field because the Jets do actually have a very good defense. You know, Sauce Gardner and that secondary is really, really good. So I would think that the Patriots try not to test that, you know, try to look more, you know, underneath for, you know, big plays, you know, yards after the catch and things like that on short passes. So, you know, I think also the running game needs to be consistent. You know, if the Patriots are one-dimensional, I don't think they're going to beat the Jets. So, you know, you hope that Ramondre Stevenson can, you know, find some holes and they can get him involved in the passing game because I think that's probably the easiest way to get the offense going is you get the ball to him on those, you know, swing passes, screen passes, and things like that. You know, take advantage of the Jets' defense that is absolutely going to be aggressive and try to get to the quarterback. So I think the two biggest things on offense for me, take care of the football and get kind of those short intermediate throws that you can maybe make plays after the catch. Um, Because I don't think this is a game where you're going to be able to beat the Jets over the top. You know, maybe you take some shots if you can get some completions underneath, you know, and maybe you take a shot to Tyquan Thornton or, you know, whoever's in there. So, I think from an offensive standpoint, those are the biggest keys. And then also defensively, you know, continue to frustrate Zach Wilson the same way that they did two weeks ago. Um, You know, Judon was a legit terror in that game. And, you know, we'll talk about him in a little bit. But, you know, make plays on the defensive line. You know, get to the quarterback, force Zach Wilson to make more bad decisions, which is exactly what he did the last game they played. So... I think, you know, getting to the quarterback, forcing him into bad decisions, um, they also need to tackle well. You know, I think uh, this is such an important game that you have to have the fundamentals, you know, be as important as anything else. You know, one of the things is tackling, you know, keeping the penalties down, you know, making a big play on special teams, which they were able to do um, in the Colts game uh, two weeks or a week ago. You know, make a big play on special teams. I think that's going to be something to watch for because I think, you know, looking at both of these offenses and kind of some of the issues they had in the last game, field position could be massive in this game. So, you know, can you make a special teams play? Can you block a punt? You know, can you get a really solid uh, punt return um, like you did in the last Jets game with Marcus Jones? So I think for me, defensively, get to the quarterback and special teams has to be, you know, special teams has to be at their best. You know, you hope that Jake Bailey can turn it around and start to be a little bit more consistent. Um, But I think, you know, hoping that the special teams for the Patriots can make a play in this game. I do think the Patriots can win. I really do. You know, I think that the offense is due for kind of a more even game you know I'm not saying that Mac Jones is going to throw for 300 yards you know but I do think you want him to be a little bit more consistent and you know be smart with the football and I think that that's kind of the biggest thing in this game the Patriots win the turnover battle they're probably going to win the game so I think just those are some things to look out for on um, in all three phases of the game Um, one of the great things that I think we saw last week with some of the practices, David Andrews is back. So you have to assume that he'll be playing next week, which I think is um, would be a big addition to the offensive line. 
um, considering how much they've struggled recently. So, you know, you hope the running game can be a little bit stronger. You hope they can protect Mac Jones a little bit better. You know, I think that the offensive line, more than I think really any other group on this team, needed a break. You know, this is definitely a group that I think needed a reset. Maybe you see a different um, alignment on the offensive line. I saw, you know, something last week that talked about moving Isaiah Wynn back to the inside, moving him back to guard, you know, not something that I hate necessarily um, because I think they need to do something major with him to try to see if he can perform consistently. And, you know, Trent Brown honestly has not really had the most consistent season either. So, you know, you want to look for him to be better. You know, I think the communication on the offensive line will be a lot, a lot better if David Andrews can go and he's available to play. And I think, you know, we'll give Mac Jones some comfort um, as, you know, one of the big, big things, you know, Mac Jones has kind of lacked a little bit of confidence this season um, and hopefully getting David Andrews back, getting, you know, the guy that I think he probably trusts the most on the offensive line, getting him back, getting him, you know, acclimated, I think is going to make a huge difference because, you know, the three games the Patriots have played, um, or I should say two games that the the last two games the Patriots have played without, you know, quarterback controversy, whatever, whatever you have, David Andrews has been absent the last two games, you know, suffered the concussion late in the fourth quarter um, in the Bears game. And then, you know, Mac Jones starts the next two games against the Jets and the Colts and your offensive line, you know, really suffers. So, you know, hopefully he can make that difference and they can be a little bit more consistent on the line. Uh, obviously, one of the things we talked about for the Jets game is getting pressure on the quarterback, getting to Zach Wilson, forcing him into bad mistakes. Matt Judon has been playing at an all-world level right now. And, you know, he's just been amazing. You know, 11 and a half sacks is, you know, as I said, as Dom and I talked about it last week, you know, to me, I think he's kind of one of the leaders for uh, Defensive Player of the Year. He might be the leader um, in the clubhouse at the moment. So, you know, he's been impressive. You know, I think that he also last season had a great start to the year, kind of fizzled a little bit down the stretch. So, you know, you hope that he can continue to play at this level. You know, they need him to continue to be an all-pro player um, in this game against the Jets. So, I think look for him to continue to have a great game. And I also think that his um, great season has rubbed off on some other guys as well. You know, I think that Dietrich Wise has had a solid season. Um, you know, there have been some other guys that have gotten some sacks. You know, Uche was really good in the Colts game. You know, you hope that that's a turning point for him because if the Patriots can get consistent rushing from somewhere else other than Judon, then it makes the defense a lot more dangerous. So, you know, you hope that someone like Uche can continue his um, strong play with another good game against the Jets. So, you know, big game coming up, big game in the division with the Patriots at 5-4, and four, the Jets and the Bills at 6-3, and three, Dolphins are at 7-3. and three, So, you know, Patriots beat the Jets, that gives them a tiebreaker. So, you know, it's you know, the schedule is going to be very, very difficult, as, you know, Dom and I talked about. But I think if they can string some wins together at the beginning of this stretch, it can kind of give them some confidence. You know, one of the things that we do need to think about is, yes, the Patriots will play on Thanksgiving next week. So, you know, it's a short turnaround. You know, Sunday 
afternoon game and then a Thursday night game. So you got to hope that they can kind of be at their best. You know, hopefully everyone can stay healthy and they can, you know, put a good scare in the Minnesota Vikings who, you know, all of a sudden are kind of putting together a season that I think is putting a lot of people on notice, um, especially after the win yesterday. So it'd be a big week for the Patriots. So looking forward to this uh, rematch with the Jets. Um, so I think that's going to do it for the Patriots. We're going to move on, talk a little Celtics. Um, and, you know, just like the Bruins, they are playing at a elite level. Um, the Bruins, I think with the win last night, have set um, a team record for most wins on home ice to start the season. And, you know, you look at this Celtics team who has been, you know, just as good as the Bruins in terms of their start and how good um, they've been to open the year. Um, you know, the offense playing at an elite level. Um, you know, I think that they lead the league in offensive rating. You know, they've rattled off six straight wins. And it's just, it's mesmerizing to watch how good they've been from an offensive standpoint, how good Jason Tatum has been. I mean, he is dominating the game at every single level of the game, offensively, defensively. Whatever you want to see from him, there's, you know, as Brian Scalabrini has said multiple times on the most, on, I think, recent broadcasts, there's nothing that Jason Tatum can't do. You know, I think whether it's be involved scoring and being able to be a guy that can consistently score 30 plus every single game, you know, you've seen him score 43 in the last game, 34 against Denver. You know, it's remarkable how well he's been playing. And I think. You know, he's putting the league on notice that, okay, this is legitimately someone that could challenge to win an MVP this season. You know, I it kind of, you just marvel at him and marvel at how good he's been and how he can knock down shots. I mean, I think as I probably said last week, for me, he's taking a little too many three-pointers, but it's like he's playing at such an elite level in terms of offensive basketball, you know, shooting getting to the free throw line, being aggressive, getting other guys involved. Um, the assists might be a little bit down from where they were last season, but I think it's only because Marcus Smart is playing probably the best basketball that he's ever played in his career um, from an offensive standpoint. So Tatum's not the guy that has to be getting other guys involved. You know, Smart can be, you know, you look at the assist numbers for the last five games, Marcus Smart has had double-digit assists. Uh, 10 against Detroit on Saturday night, 11 against Detroit last week, 12 against Memphis last week. So, you know, both of these guys are playing at an elite level offensively. And, you know, Tatum, it's just like you kind of laugh at how easily he can do things from an offensive standpoint. But he's doing a great job defensively. He's always been a great rebounder. Um, and I think that you are starting to see him legitimately take over games. You know, you saw him take over that game in Detroit on Saturday with 43 points. I mean, I think that is kind of the next step for him in terms of being, you know, an MVP level player, a guy that's going to be able to, you know, be talked about the same way that you talk about, you know, Durant, Embiid, Jokic, Giannis, you know, he's going to be in that same category if he continues to be playing basketball like this, so. It's just great that they're moving it and playing well offensively. You know, the defense, I think, has gotten better, which is great to see. But I think 
just look at Tatum, you look at Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, not really playing too bad either. So, you know, just having these guys playing at an elite level offensively has made things, I think, so much easier for this team that, you know, I think that was one of the, maybe one of the concerns that you had, you know, having Joe Missoula take over, but it's like it's, he has made things so much simpler and this team is, you know, playing offensive basketball at a, a rate that I think we've not seen in a really long time. You know, defense was always the the hallmark, I think, of this team over the last, you know, year or whatever, whenever they went on that big run last year. And that offense was kind of a little bit of a struggle, but, you know, they've been scoring points and being efficient. And I think that's the biggest thing, as I've probably talked about multiple times with Jason Tatum, is how efficient he's being, you know, is shooting about 50% every game. You know, and I think that just helps you become a much better basketball player if you can be, you know, economical and efficient with the shots that you're taking. And, you know, you don't feel like you have to shoot 35 shots a game to get 35 points. You know, you can do it in 26. So it's just been elite. You know, there's really not much else that you can say um, about Jason Tatum at this moment other than he's playing elite basketball. And, you know, Marcus Smart, I think, from an offensive standpoint, as I probably will have repeated that twice already, he's playing the best offensive basketball of his career, and I don't even think it's close. Um, you know, obviously people have had their concerns about him and being the, you know, point guard, being the guy that gets other guys involved, but, you know, he's playing great. And he's, you know, always the uh, heartbeat of the team, playing really hard and playing great defense. So, Great to see from an offensive standpoint. Um, a couple of guys over the last couple of games have really impressed me off the bench. Um, Blue Cornette has started to get more minutes over the last couple of weeks. And I think, as I said before, you know, the Celtics want to see him play major minutes because they want to see what he can do. And he's not really disappointing. You know, he's playing really good defensively, blocking shots, you know, <laughs> doing the, you know, contesting shots from... 15 feet away and you know it's working it's it's working it's pretty unconventional as you may have noticed but it's working you know I think uh, he's a smart player you know is always kind of in the right spot at the right time is a good shot blocker and I think has surprised some people with his you know I don't want to say athleticism it's not like he's a Miles Turner level of athlete but I think that he's showing people that he can play you know, he can play. He's not just a D League, a G League player. Um, you know, he's a guy that can give you consistent minutes and be someone that you can feel confident in when they give Al Horford games off, like you saw Saturday. And, you know, you can have Cornette play 15 to 20 minutes, similar to the minutes that Daniel Tice gave you last year. So it just is, you know, great to see. Um, and I also think because of some injuries, you know, guys have sat out some games recently. Uh, Peyton Pritchard has gotten an opportunity and has been unbelievable. You know, if you saw that play, I know that you must have seen that play on Friday night where he gets like two or three offensive rebounds. Then DeAndre Jordan gets the rebound and he just takes it from him and scores. You know, the bench just completely lost their minds and it just is like, okay, you know, he is a dude that is very serious about playing hard. You know, you even saw that again. Um, I think maybe it was later in the game 
in Denver where he like tried to make a steal but like was out of bounds when he made it but it's like he's a guy that has a nose for the ball and it's just great to see a guy who I think has had his role diminished this season come in when he's called upon and play like his hair is on fire you know and being a really good tenacious player um, and being a guy that is showing the coaching staff that, okay, you're giving me this opportunity. You are not going to be putting me at the end of the bench, you know, once Brogdon comes back. You know, he gives you someone else that you can feel confident from a defensive standpoint that he can be scrappy, he can make plays, he can knock down shots. We all know the type of offensive player that he is. Um, But I think it's just a, a credit to Peyton for, you know, being on the bench, being on the end of the bench, and he could have easily been someone that, you know, sulks and asks for a trade and says, oh, hey, I want to be playing more. I want to go somewhere where I can play more. And, you know, he comes in and he's playing, you know, the hardest that I've seen him play. And he's always been, you know, a hardworking player. But it's like it was he was like a different guy on Friday night with how hard he played. And I think that that might be something that's a credit to Blake Griffin you know, if you've noticed at the end of the bench in some games, you know, Peyton and Ben Blake are like right next to each other and they're constantly talking. And I think, you know, having Peyton play with confidence, even more confidence than we're typically used to seeing him play with, you know, it's just great to see. So it was great to see him play so well on Friday night. Um, and the Celtics, you know, it's, everything's rolling, you know, six straight wins. They're playing amazing. Um, the defense has started to, I think, improve a little bit more. You know, Grant Williams has started to, you know, pick it up from a defensive standpoint. Um, but I think the defense, I think, was a concern early on. But I think that they've kind of, you know, quelled that a little bit. And, you know, Rob Williams, it probably won't be too long before he's back. And I think giving this team another kind of anchor defensively is just going to be legitimately unfair you know you look at you look at the way this Celtics team is playing and you know the way that they played Friday night and they didn't even have you know three lineup regulars or four if you want to count um Rob Williams you know they're just playing at such an elite level offensively and you know it's kind of just unfair to think that they might actually get better you know with the addition of Rob Williams so exciting time to be a Celtics fan exciting times uh, to be a Bruins fan, so uh, it will get a little busy for the Celtics this week. They do have three games on the schedule. They uh, host the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight. Um, Shai Gilgis Alexander has been unbelievable for the Thunder this season. They just scored 145 points yesterday against the Knicks, so um, this is going to be a team that's going to come in and be able to score. They're a young team. So hopefully the Celtics are up to the task and they can um, extend the win streak that is at six games right now. Uh, The Celtics then will do a quick road trip. They will travel to Atlanta. They'll play the Hawks Wednesday night and then the Pelicans on Friday night. And then they'll play uh, the Bulls in Chicago next Monday. So things are getting a little bit more busy for the Celtics. So, you know, I think keep an eye out for Al Horford and maybe some other guys you know, taking some games off um, because the schedule is about to get really, really crazy. But this team is, is 10 and 3, and 
you know, playing, I think, exactly the way that we would like them to play from an offensive standpoint, and the defense isn't too bad either. So I think that that's going to probably do it for the Celtics. We're going to move on. There's some Red Sox rumors that I actually do want to talk about. Um, I think it was last week, post-World Series, the Red Sox had uh, Chris Sale and Eric Hosmer opt in to their contracts, so they'll be with the Sox next season. Xander Bogarts, I think, as expected, opted out, so really no news on that. You know, I think uh, one of the things I did pay attention to that apparently Ken Rosenthal had said something to the effect of the Red Sox are expected to be a team that spends a lot of money this offseason, so... You know, you can kind of take that statement how how you want. You know, does that mean that they're going to sign Bogarts? Does that mean they're going to look somewhere else at shortstop? You know, who knows? Um, but I think, you know, sales back, it's hard to really expect a lot from him. And I think the same thing with Hosmer. You know, he's a good guy to have around. He's been around the league a while. Um, you know, kind of curious what their, what their thoughts are with him as a player going forward. Uh, James Paxton is also back. I think that it was something like there was an option that I think he declined, but then the club picked up. So it's like you have player player options and team options. A player option, a player can opt out. A team option means that the team has the option. So I think it was one or the other that either he declined the player option and then the team had the option. Um, but either way, he's back. Uh, four million, I think he'll make next season. So, obviously, he didn't pitch this past year, still recovering from Tommy John surgery. So the Red Sox, I think, are hopeful. You know, he can be a starter um, when the season starts. Unclear about whether they expect him to start, or they, they whether they expect him to be ready for spring training. I don't know if that's been announced, but you would have to assume that he probably will be. Um, so that'll be interesting to pay attention to. Uh, the Red Sox also brought back Rob F. Snyder, which. You know, I like he played really well in the sample size that he played, um, or played well in the good, played well in the small sample size that he that he had uh, with the Red Sox this summer. So good to see him back, you know, a guy that you can throw around and play anywhere. Um, so then the, kind of the other thing that I think is most interesting, um, it's been reported that the Red Sox are among one of the team or are, are among teams that are interested in Jose Abreu, who is a, a free agent. He had played for the White Sox for, I think, the entirety of his career. Um, and so I think, you know, he's a guy that I think could definitely be a huge addition to this team um, if he is able to, you know, stay healthy and kind of be a elite offensive player at 30 home runs in 2021. Um, the numbers were actually significantly down this year. Uh, had 15 home runs, 75 RBIs. Um, did hit 304, which is kind of interesting to me. That his offensive batting average numbers were better than they were last season, but the home runs and RBIs were, you know, nowhere near what they usually are. He's a guy that's hit 30 home runs multiple times in his career. Uh, 36 home runs in his rookie year was the rookie of the year, and then was actually the American League MVP in 2020, led the American League in RBIs in uh, 2019, had 123 RBIs. So he's a guy that's kind of on the older side, but 
is a guy that's a pretty consistent home run hitter. You know, if you look at his 162 game average, courtesy of baseball reference, you know, the average is 31 home runs, 110 RBIs, and 292. So, you know, I think from a defensive standpoint, he can play first base, or excuse me, does play first base. And so you could think that, okay, you know, they could play him at first base, they could play him at DH, because I think if J.D. Martinez doesn't return, you do kind of need a bat in that spot. So I like it. I really like him as a player. Um, you know, I think looking at the age, I think you want to be a little bit careful with the amount of money that you throw at him, but I think he could be a great addition um, to this team next year. They really need that consistent production at first base um, if they're going to be a contending team at all. So that'll be interesting to pay attention to. We'll pay attention to that um, the rest of the season. So now um, I think we're going to look ahead, or excuse me, look at the uh, NFL games from yesterday. I know that we uh, kind of skipped that last week as I just focused on the Boston teams. Um, but I think, you know, it makes sense for context to, you know, look at the uh, NFL scores. Um, we're also going to take a look at the standings as well. You know, as I briefly mentioned where the Patriots are. So uh, the NFL this week, week 10, unbelievable that it's already week 10. Um, the Panthers beat the Falcons on Thursday night football. Deontay Foreman, 130 yards and a touchdown. And the Panthers uh, knocked the Falcons out of first place with the win. The Panthers improved to 3-7. and seven. Falcons fall to 4-6. and six. Uh, The NFL went to Germany on uh, Sunday morning as the uh, Buccaneers beat the Seahawks. Um, outlasting Seattle, Tom Brady, and the Bucks are now in first place with the win, 21-16, the final score. Um, then you had some, actually, you had some really good close games yesterday. Uh, Vikings and Bills, that was probably, to this point, has probably been the best game of the year. Uh, Vikings win in overtime, 33-30. It was a crazy game that had everything in the fourth quarter. You know, Vikings driving to take the lead, stops short on fourth down, then the ensuing play, Josh Allen fumbles the snap, fumbles the snap, Vikings recover in the end zone, take the lead, Bills tie it at the end of regulation, and then the Vikings kick the field goal in overtime, take the lead, and then Josh Allen picked in the end zone. So Vikings win, got kind of their signature win of the season. They improved to 8-1. and one. Justin Jefferson was uh, just ridiculous in this game. You know, I kind of watched the toward the end, um, and he was unbelievable. That was probably one of the best wide receiver games that I can remember, um, as how good he was, and just unfair, just unfair how good he how good he was yesterday. Uh, so the Vikings improved to 8-1, Bills fall to 6-3. and three. The Lions outlasted the Bears yesterday in Chicago, 31-30. to Vikings, or excuse me, Lions improved to three and six with the win. Bears fall to three and seven. Justin Fields, 147 yards on the ground with two touchdowns, but not enough as the Vikings, or excuse me, Lions pick up their third win of the season. Uh, the Titans outlasting the Broncos, 17 to 10. Kind of a slow, kind of defensive game, but the Titans able to win after losing to the Chiefs last week. Titans improved to six and three. Broncos fall two, three, and six. The Chiefs took care of business at home against the Jags. Patrick Mahomes, four touchdowns in this game. Chiefs win 27 to 17. The Dolphins take care of business against the Browns, 
39-17 to Otago-Vailoa. Three passing touchdowns in this game, and the Dolphins move into first place. The Giants continue their winning ways with a 24-16 win over the Texans. Saquon Barkley has been just unbelievable this season. Finally healthy and finally, you know, leading this Giants team to Giants team to wins. So they improved to seven and two with the win. The Steelers get a home win over the Saints, twenty to ten. Another kind of low-scoring defensive game. The Steelers improved to three and six. Saints fall to three and seven. Things continue to uh, get worse for the Raiders, who dropped another game. They fall to two and seven. Colts get their fourth win of the season, four five and one. Matt Ryan came back into the starting lineup for the Colts as they got the win. Jeff Saturday with his first win as an NFL head coach. And I don't know, I just me from a personal standpoint, I don't really understand how the NFL allowed that to happen. Um, you know, story for another day. But the, uh, you know, Colts hiring or firing Frank Reich midweek and then hiring Jeff Saturday to be their new coach. And I don't know, there's some weird stuff going on there. Uh, but either way, Colts get the win 25 to 20. The Packers beat the Cowboys in overtime yesterday, 31-28. Packers get a much-needed win at home as they beat the Cowboys. They improved to 4-6. and six. Cowboys fall to 6-3. and three. The Cardinals beating the Chargers, excuse me, beating the Rams at home. Or the Rams, or this game was in L.A. Cardinals win 27-17. Kyler Murray did not play in this game, but Colt McCoy started and won. Cardinals improved to 4-6. and six. Rams fall to three and six. And then last night's Sunday night football, 49ers use a second half rally uh, to beat the Chargers 22 to 16. And this game also put the Patriots in a playoff spot. Uh, Patriots, Jets, Ravens, and Bengals all had buys this week. And then tonight's game in Philadelphia, Eagles against the Commanders. Eagles put their undefeated record up against the Commanders, who are four and five. So now we're going to take a look at the standings, um, look at where things stand from, uh, kind of looking at the playoff standings. In the AFC, the Chiefs in the first spot, followed by the Dolphins, the Titans, and the Ravens. So those teams lead their divisions currently. And then the three wildcard teams at the moment are the Jets, the Bills, and the Patriots. So as it stands now, the AFC East would get all four teams into the playoffs, which would be crazy. Uh, but the Chargers and the Bengals are right there behind the Patriots, also at five and four. And then the Colts are four, five, and one. So, you know, it's it's close, but the Patriots really can help themselves uh, by beating the Jets on Sunday. In the NFC, the Eagles still the number one seed. The Vikings, though, now at number two with it. Or the Vikings still at number two in the conference. So Eagles, Vikings, Seahawks, and Buccaneers, the division leaders at the moment. And then the three wild cards would be the Giants, the Cowboys, and the 49ers with Washington, Green Bay, Atlanta, and Arizona all kind of chasing that last spot. So I think probably going to move on, talk a little bit about, uh, give you guys some notes from the NBA and the NHL. Um, take a quick look at some of the games or some of the things that have happened recently. Joel Embiid with 59 points, uh, career best 
leading the 76ers to a win against the Utah Jazz. Uh, the LA Lakers are obviously off to a pretty poor start, 3-10, and but they did get a win against the Nets last night, 110-103. to I think taking a look at the NBA games tonight, Celtics and uh, Thunder obviously at 7.30, uh, Toronto and Detroit, Charlotte and Orlando, both games starting at 7 o'clock. And then at 7.30, Phoenix and Miami, 8 o'clock games. Clippers against the Rockets and then the Hawks against the Milwaukee Bucks. And then at 10 o'clock, uh, the Spurs and the Warriors. Um, so taking a look at the NHL now, looking going over, um, Nicholas Obey-Cubell was... Uh, was um, uh, suspended for three games. Uh, Bruins, obviously, with the team record 9-0 start at home. Um, Zach Wierenski is likely out for the season for Columbus after uh, suffering an injury, and the uh, Coyotes' proposed new arena has been sent to a public vote, so chances are that they might be able to move to Tempe uh, to a new like arena, I guess. Looking at some of the games tonight on the NHL schedule, Islanders and Senators at 5.30, and then Kings and the Flames and the Hurricanes and the Blackhawks at 8.30, and then at 9 o'clock, the Blues against the Colorado Avalanche. So I think actually I was going to briefly look at the standings for the NHL. I'll probably do that with the NBA next week. It's not really... For me, it's not really enough time has passed where I can look at it, but looking at the Eastern Conference, Bruins obviously lead the division and the conference and the league with 28 points. Toronto and Tampa Bay, the second and third spot in the Atlantic. And then in the Metro, the Devils have been really surprising out of the gate. They're 12-3. and three. They lead their division with 24 points. The Islanders are in second place with 20 points, and then the Hurricanes in third place with 19, and then the wildcard teams at the moment, the Rangers and the Panthers. In the Western Conference, you have Winnipeg and Dallas atop the Central with 19 points, and then Colorado is uh, second or, you know, or is third, I should say, with 17 points. In the Pacific, Vegas leads the division with 26 points. They have been, you know, also alongside the Bruins, have been the best team out of the gate. Uh, the Kings have 21 points, they're in second, and the Seattle Kraken are in third place despite a uh, loss last night. They are playing some good hockey um, out of the gate, so good stuff for them. They played 16 games at eight wins, five losses, and three overtime losses, and then in the wildcard positions. You have the Oilers and the Minnesota Wild. So I think... I think that's probably going to do it for me this week, folks. Uh, hope you enjoyed the program and, you know, don't hesitate to, to let me know how you're enjoying it or if, you know, you would like me to focus on, um, you know, any other topics. You, know, you can feel free to uh, message me on, on, on Facebook, you know, DM me on Twitter, uh, whatever works. You know, you can reach me at, on Twitter at the sports guy 97 You can also, you know, message me on Facebook or Instagram or, you know, however you listen to this podcast, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, follow on Spotify and 
you know, a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts would be greatly um, appreciated. And, you know, as always, you can follow the Twitter and Facebook pages for the podcast. The uh, Twitter page is at NotBoston. And then the Facebook page is obviously the podcast name, Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. So you can find um, all the good stuff there. Um, again, really looking forward to Guest Friday talking to John Veneziano for preview in the World Cup. Probably we'll have a uh, U.S. focus, uh, but we will probably talk about some other teams and, you know, teams to watch and maybe how it's going to shake out. But I'm really looking forward to that. But, you know, as always, um, yeah, everyone have a, a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you later this week. And go Bruins, go Celtics, go Patriots. Um, and, yeah, everyone have a great week.